Savage Steve Holland. <laughs> That's my warm up. Are you doing Chris Farley into a fan? <laughs> Luke, I am your father. <laughs> I, did, I, I think I was, but I didn't intend to, but then I was like, wait, that's something real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so this episode of We've Got the Beat is discussing... Savage Steve Holland's first two movies, uh, Better Off Dead and One Crazy Summer. I would have her watch, my co-host Mindy, would have her watch the third one, um, How I Got Into College, but it's it's so damn difficult to find, it's, and it's it's nowhere nearly as good. I think the problem is, is after his first two movies and The Adventures of Beans Baxter, he did not write that much anymore. Most of the scripts that he did after that were from somebody else, and it misses his style. I think I have seen that one before, but just a really, really long time ago. Yeah, when it came out on video, I, I desperately... I'm the guy who would go to the video store back in the 80s when they only had one copy of movies. Yes, people, before Blockbuster and Hollywood Video, most stores only had one copy of a movie. I would bug him every single day for a movie. If it wasn't How I Got Into College, it was American Ninja 3. It was UHF. It was whatever the hot new title was, and I was that annoying kid. <laughs> I just remember how often we went to, like, the drugstore or the grocery stores to look at the, like, movie wall. Yeah. Oh, well, what was the one that we went to a lot? Different time. There was some drugstore we went to. Revco? Rev? No. Uh... I I don't remember. Yeah, it was, like, Farmore or something. It was a a pharmacy, and uh, they had a decent selection, but... We would run out of the titles that we knew about. And remember how many times we would hem and haw about a movie? And we are like, mm, I don't know about this one. And we got sick of it. I think we could probably stare at the video well for an hour just, you know, yep. trying to figure it out. Food of the Gods too. I saw like 9,000 times. I'm like, that's an interesting cover. I'm never going to watch that. Hey, do you have a copy of Little Monsters? <laughs> but I tell that story to tell you this story. We got tired of that. I think we burnt out on all the videos that were there. And then one Christmas, we uh, went down the street a few blocks to another video store, one of those small mom-and-pop shops. Couldn't tell you the name of it. Could not remember. It was right next to the karate studio. And um, that's where we found Better Off Dead, Christmas of 1989. And uh, every single Christmas since then, we have watched Better Off Dead. Now, we're not in the same household anymore, but do you still watch it every Christmas? Yes. Yep. It's, 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 a, couple, a couple times, uh, uh, other times of the year, too. A tradition! <laughs> this is also, I'm going to tell you honestly, this is probably the movie that I most thrust upon uh, unknowing um, but willing people in my world yeah i just shove it at people at work and say trust me yeah mine's the wrong guy with dave foley i I show that to people all the time well i'd probably do that if i had a copy of it but i don't think i do um that movie's so good but that's for another time you know i think is the funny thing is is that better off dead was not a hit at first i mean it did okay in the theaters but it wasn't one of those things that people talked about that's why we had never heard of it it also had a horrible cover if you look at the original vhs cover it's shit it's uh, it, it looks so drab, and it's not catching to the eye at all, and it did not take off. And I don't, I don't think the reason. 
I think that hold on, that my sentence just derailed big time there. Sorry. Um, I think the reason it took so long to become a cult classic is because it wasn't one of those movies that was aired on uh, HBO and Showtime over and over and over again. Like One Crazy Summer was. That was a regular staple of HBO. If anybody had it, it was on at least two or three times a day, it seems. Yeah. One Crazy Summer, um, you know, that one was talked about, I think, the minute it hit video and cable. But um, Better Off Dead is one of those things you kind of whisper to your friends, and every once in a while you get somebody else that knew what $2 meant. And Mm -hmm. in the 90s, it was sold to Comedy Central in their early days and when they were desperate for content. And uh, that's when they started airing it all the time. And that's when everybody started talking about it. And so it took a much longer time to become a cult classic. But I think it's more beloved than One Crazy Summer now. Um, I I don't know because I don't really... um know people who are uh, that into movies to know what is really a cult classic and what isn't. I mean, I know I like this movie, and that's about all I know. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Because um, it seems like everybody my age knows about it. It's weird. I don't... Maybe I just don't talk to enough people. Well, you maybe, you, maybe you talk to normal people. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm in a circle of uh, film whores. <laughs> I'm just I'm I'm seeing so many different covers of this movie that I don't actually know which one was the original one. Yeah, well, I see you, the album cover, one? and I had the cassette because that's how pathetic I am. I had the cassette. I know. I was gonna. I really wanted to make sure we told people that that we had the cassette and we were big fans. I think I still have that. You? Oh, okay. Because I didn't it. know whatever happened to it. Um. Uh, I don't know. I'll not that I not that I need I it by any means. I found most of the songs on YouTube, but. Uh, that one has him on the couch with a plastic bag over his body. Um, and then oh, okay. the VHS, remember, he's like sitting on the I hood of his it. car and he looks really depressed and all the wacky characters all around him. And then we got the, there's yeah. like the two or three, and now I'm going to, all the covers suck. Let's just say that. Um, even the Paramount cover is garbage. It's what, him hanging from the bridge or whatever or something and then his big face with shades this, on it. There's this. There's this one where he's standing, he's sitting on the bridge with all the people behind him, and it's sort of like a drawing more than anything. Okay. I don't know. There's this, there's this one I'm looking at that's hilarious. That's like it's him with the, all the um, Q-tips in his nose and his mouth and his ears, and like his parents dressed up in their reindeer costumes. It's like it, very outlandish, and it says. When you're dumped by your girlfriend, attacked by your dinner, and bounced by the basketball team, you might as well be better off dead. Like, that's a, it's funnier, at least. Yeah. Well, it also gives you a better sense but, of what the movie is. The movie is a cartoon, and, yeah. and it makes sense because Savage Deep Holland is also an animator who incorporated that into his first two movies, but he also created Eek the Cat, if anybody remembers that cartoon. It was on for, like, five years. Yeah, both of these movies, I think, have very, I mean, they have very similar feels. They almost feel like, you know, you know, a sequel, a duo or whatever, because they're so similar in so many ways. But definitely a very over-the-top, outlandish, cartoony kind of thing, which yeah. makes sense. Well, I think Better Off Dead is more spoof than... Um... 
one crazy summer, I think the one thing that brings it down is that it's almost too conventional, especially with the ending. I mean, yes, there's a competition at the end yeah. of Better Off Dead, but that one is so wacky and crazy and impossible, basically. But uh, I don't know. One Crazy Summer, it feels like he's trying to fit into the studio system now. Yeah, maybe. He made some uh, changes to try to to be a little bit more mainstream. But anyway. But um, I will say this. Well, one of my favorite... The soundtrack's amazing. It, I mean, now that I've gotten past the, oh, the 80s suck, you know, because there's a period where everybody's like, synth, ugh, new wave, ugh, hair metal, ugh. okay, hair metal still, hair metal's still pretty douchey, but I uh, listened to the soundtrack, and I, I used to play this at work, um, back when we didn't have music over the intercom, when we had to display the speakers at work, I would used to put the soundtrack on, and it's pleasant enough that it doesn't make anybody annoyed. Unlike when I played Van Halen, and someone says, did you have to pick the worst music possible? <laughs> they said it just like that too the possible but um which is ironic since this one actually has Van Halen too but it's not on the soundtrack uh E.G. Daly from uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure and Valley Girl uh I think the song she sings in this is absolutely stunning uh, and, and she's so much fun in such a small role but people forget that she was also a singer does she do cartoon voices? Yes, she does. She is the voice of Tommy on Rugrats. That's probably her most famous. Okay, that's what I thought because she just has such a distinct voice. She seems... In like a very... I'm not in a very nice way. <laughs> do you remember Mind Over Matters, the theme song that they play in summer school when they're doing the final test? That's also her. I, I just like her. I like her songs. Oh, okay. I'll have to... I haven't seen summer school in a, in a really long time, so I'll have to revisit that. It's in my voodoo, lady. Not that I haven't. I mean, not that I haven't seen it like twenty times at least in yeah. my lifetime, but <laughs> not for a long time. The uh, it's so weird to think about that John Cusack, and this is one reason why the Blu-ray has no special features. Which is okay. Hold on a second. There's like ninety other people in this movie they could interview. But for some reason, they're holding out, I guess, because of John Cusack. True. But he's embarrassed by this movie, and he was very angry during most of the filming of uh, One Crazy Summer because that was, fil- I, that was filming. Go ahead. I don't think that he was embarrassed. I think he was mad because it didn't make any money. I think he was, he thought it was, I mean, he was disappointed in how how it was received i don't know that he was embarrassed by it i mean not that he and i have conversed lately but you know that's what i had read yeah i have also read that like he was so mad at savage steve hall and you made me look like a fool this is an embarrassment and that the last half of filming on uh one crazy summer was extremely difficult because he never wanted to work with him and uh that caused a lot of uh problems for the rest of the production and um, it might have ha- uh, damaged Savage Steve Holland's career because now that I think about it, you know, at this time is when he started getting red hot because John Cusack had come off Sure Thing and that was a big hit. And he was like the, the thinking man's, uh, you know, uh, version of the Brat Pack. You know, it was him and Tim Robbins and stuff like that. Those guys were the smarter, more eccentric versions of what we were seeing as your uh, A-listers like, you know, Rob Lowe and, and C. Thomas Allen and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. that might have damaged his career. But I know that he also was one of the first guys to create a TV show for Fox, which was called The Adventures of Beans Baxter, which i, I got to get around to watching again because if I love these movies so much, why am I not watching the show? It's on YouTube. And um, 
I think he has a very unique voice that got destroyed after uh, he started doing all these TV movies. If you look at his filmography, he's still making movies, but they're just garbage movies. That's interesting. It says that Henry Winkler was instrumental in getting the film made. Wow, really? I knew he but by this time he was a producer. How did that did they say why? What he did? He I guess was a fan of a short film that he Savage Steve Holland had at the LA Film Festival and um just sort of led to them like talking and he suggested some things to him and uh, like he actually suggested to Holland to, to like cast John Cusack or to like consider him. Okay. Well, thanks, but you may have just ruined my career <laughs> in the long run. But I, I also don't believe the movie would work as well without John Cusack. He has that tone. And he's done it before. He's done movies like this where he's like the frustrated every man who's caught up in crazy people. I think that's why High Fidelity works is because he's just a normal guy losing his shit over his <laughs> bonkers behavior. Yeah, like, you know, we can relate to that person who overthinks every single thing to the point where they go almost insane. Yeah, and I've had friends who have dated people and for some reason have the worst time getting over them and they act not like themselves. <laughs> mm, yeah. The, um... Um, I did, I was reading some of the facts on IM, IMDB and it does in fact say straight from, this is a quote from Steve Holland that John Cusack in fact told him he hated the movie was very angry at him and that he sucked <laughs> oh wow he said he sucked that's terrible I just, I just don't understand how he could look at this movie and think it was crap like this is one of the funniest movies I've ever seen ever yeah well also and how did he not I see this while making the movie <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I. That's. Just, I'm. You know. There's a few reasons why I'm disappointed in in John Cusack, and this is definitely one of them. You're wrong, bro. You're wrong. And there's some stuff from this movie that I cannot get out of my head. If I ever hear "Breaking Up" is hard to do, I always expect it to go "Breaking Up is hard to do." <laughs> <laughs> Um, I always think about, like, Howard Cosell. Yes! I always think about... And you know how many times in my life I've said, Two dollars. I can't hear that Van Halen song without thinking of the brilliant claymation. Mm-hmm. I love to say Mercy Buckets. So much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, and the whole, like, uh, French dinner. <laughs> French fries and Peru. <laughs> I always say every year, every single year, without a doubt, will I say at least once Christmas. <laughs> you know, Christmas. <laughs> oh my God. Monique, mother so would not be happy. <laughs> Monique. Oh my god, it's so good. There's just so many like like 
weird and shocking and surprise moments like like what person in like the middle of uh, I mean maybe this is relatable I don't know that you're in the middle of nowhere and you can't get your hands on good drugs so you just snort pure snow <laughs> this is pure is snow this mountain's covered with it <laughs> anyway yeah oh. it's very uh, very you know odd uh, friends and teachers who ask if um, they can um, if they're, it's okay if they ask out your ex-girlfriend um, uh, little brothers who are doing very mysterious things yes like well I was convinced I was convinced for years that that was Will Arnett it looks like a young Will oh. Arnett hmm that's interesting Scooter I hadn't really considered that <laughs> No, Badger. It's Badger, isn't it? His real, I think his real name is Scooter. Badger. What are the chances his real name it's is Scooter? Badger. <laughs> and isn't it, that kid is in what else? Is he in Back to the Beach or something? Well, no, that's the other kid. That's the $2 kid. Um, Scooter, his little oh, brother. I, I've literally never... No, no, hold on. I think Scooter... I'm saying Scooter. Sorry, sorry. His real life name, I think, is Scooter. But in the movie, it's Badger. Badger, I swear to you, is in a small cameo... And uh, she's out of control as one of the potential daters. Oh, wow. His name is Scooter Stevens in real life, and Scooter that sounds Stevens. made up. Scooter Stevens. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, he is, and she's out of control. He says he was on Small Wonder. Oh, Small Wonder. Small Wonder. Wow. I'm telling Small you right Wonder. now, he looks like he would be a sibling to the annoying girl that lived next door. Well, maybe he was. <laughs> it's her last name. Skeeter? I haven't seen that show. It's her name Skeeter Stevens. I seen that. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> um. Anyway, I'll have to look into that. You should have responded with no, 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 no. <laughs> Sorry, I'm off my game. Um. Anyway. I. You know, I had no, I had no idea that other people in the world saw. Sh- uh, small wonder. I I le- legitimately thought that I was like the only one who ever saw that show, and I didn't understand that like it was probably just syndicated or something, and that uh, Edie McClure was like like a comedy legend. <laughs> well, well, small wonder was what on for three or four years. It's shocking to me that it even lasted past the pilot. That movie, uh, that that show is just awful. Uh, yeah, it was on for four years, you're right. Oh, we're starving for entertainment, kids. Starving! Um, mm-hmm. Anyway. What was I say? Oh, oh it, it, the one thing that I take away from this movie is, and I, I, I'm not the only one, I believe Pat Oswalt also brought it up, is in the face of bullies, you just have to laugh at them sometimes. You know, mock them mercilessly. Because when Charles Lamar loses his shit at the dance, it can't stop laughing... And it kind of disarms a bully, and he doesn't know what the hell is going on. That is kind of what... It's a metaphor for facing things in life that are so challenging to sometimes you just got to go, fuck, this is ridiculous. Okay, just laugh it off. I mean, hopefully that's effective, but you might as well try. Yeah. Um, Yeah, you know... um, Curtis Armstrong is a pretty prolific actor. He is. He's so lovable, and I, I I think he's more lovable in One Crazy Summer. But I think what cursed him for a long time is that most people remembered him just as Booger, 
And yeah, I this, I, I clearly believe that he got the role in this movie because of Booger, but he takes it in a different direction. And he's like, <laughs> mm-hmm. just, he's so absurd with it. Just like, I've been in this high school for seven years. I'm no dummy. <laughs> <laughs> You know what else, though? It's like, I really appreciate that he got to play someone, a very, very different character in One Crazy Summer. He's so, like, sweet yeah. and gentle. Mo- and well, innocent. Mom said, uh, she said, uh, you know, he's mostly kind of uh, has that look, the booger look in a lot of his stuff. But he's so cute and adorable in this movie. And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, take off the beard and it changes his entire look. Yeah, it is amazing how like much, how much younger it makes him look. Um, I will. I've probably mentioned this before, but I'll mention it again. That I, I read his book that came out a few years ago, and I can't remember right now what it's called. But it was so good. It was a, a very, very appealing read. You know, I was um, supposed to interview him about that book. I think that that's the last time and you and I talked about it because I remember you telling me it is called Revenge of the Nerd or The Singular Adventures of the Man Who Would Be Booger. Hey, I, <laughs> gave it five, I gave it five stars when I read it. So it's a pretty enjoyable book out yeah. there. So sorry you never got to interview him. Well, okay, so this is what happened. Twice, I was, book. twice his agent contacted me. I don't even remember how it even started in the first place. But his his agent contacted me, and the first time it was about a pilot that he did for Amazon. And this is back when Amazon would let you watch all the pilots and then choose what would continue as a series. And um, I just didn't have the time. It wasn't that long ago. uh, Well, it was when I was working surveillance. And it was just really, Mm. I was just completely out of my mind by the end of that time. uh, On no sleep, and I was just so exhausted. I just didn't feel like it, and I said, I'm sorry, I just don't have the time right now. Then I was like a year or two later when that book came out, and she contacted me again. And then she just kept stiffing me or whatever and said, like, well, we keep delaying it, keep delaying mm-hmm. it. And I go, you know what? I'm not the right person. This is by the time, by that point, I didn't want to do interviews anymore. Because uh, I think inter- interviews are hard for me because I feel like you're doing a lot of ass kissing. And I don't like it. I'm not having a yeah. conversation. If I have someone who's in the entertainment world, I don't talk about their stuff usually. We'll plug their stuff, but we won't talk about their stuff. What we'll do is talk about something they enjoy that I enjoy, and then that's how we get together. I don't like interviewing people about their careers. And I said, frankly, I know someone else who's more interested, and I think it Ken had already, my friend Ken Reed had already talked to him about doing it anyway. And I was like, go talk to him. He's the guy that will really do a great interview. He's much better interviews than I am because I'm just not into that mm-hmm. diving into your – I don't know what to say that sounds right. And I always feel awkward afterwards. So – that was my yeah. one chance at doing at covering the book, and he seems like a really nice guy. But his agent just rubbed me raw. Well, yeah, who knows what that was all about? But I will say that I mean, if you know, if you don't, if it's something that makes you uncomfortable, then it was probably like the right decision, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think that's anyway. I mean, there's so much to say about this movie, and I don't want to keep going on and on about it, but. Um, I think it's time to move on to his second film. This one was not from a fledging studio. This one was Warner Brothers. They had more marketing push behind this. And I remember one crazy summer. I saw commercials for it. I saw the poster in the newspaper. I, I think we were talking about seeing it, but I think we ended up seeing Short Circuit instead. Um, and it's just one of those ones. The minute I saw it on HBO, and like I said, they used to air this all the time. If I remember correctly, this is one of those tapes that we had. 
with like Howard the Duck and Goonies, and we just watched it over and over <laughs> and over until the tape broke. And um, that sounds about right. Yeah, I've seen One Crazy Summer more times than I ever thought I would, and. I really enjoyed revisiting it this time, but it does feel so mainstream compared to Better Off Dead. Better Off Dead is just so odd, and it has a rhythm unlike any other movie at that time, because most teen movies were sex-oriented, and Better Off Dead kind of went out of its way to not. It, like it, Even when they talked about sex, it always seemed like it was uncomfortable. You put these uh, testicles all over me. I'm, I'm sorry, the what? <laughs> she wasn't talking about sex. Yeah, but I mean, that's how they skirted around, like, that kind of behavior. It just, yeah. it was like the, um, the antidote to, like, the Porky's mentality that was going around. Yes, that makes sense. And One Crazy Summer is, um, again, it, it doesn't go into that realm. It may, in fact, be PG. I don't remember. There's no nudity, and I, I think there's a couple cuss words, but it's a safe family watch. This one, um, we we bring back Curtis Armstrong. We got John Cusack. Now we're upping the budget a little bit because now we got Demi Moore post. Um, crap. Um, damn it. What was the movie? Uh, St. Elmo's Fire. So she's now a name. And uh, we add um, uh, Bobcat Goldthwait, uh, who's coming off of the second uh, and third Police Academy. So we got some more names in this one. We got a bigger budget, and I can't imagine it was cheap to shoot on that island and have that huge competition afterwards because two guys skiing down a mountain compared to a bunch of people in a a, a boat race is much more expensive. So it's more polished, I think, than Better Off Dead, but I don't think it's funnier. Mm, No, it's not funnier. I mean, that's not to say it isn't funny, but it's just... It looks like most of Better Off Dead was filmed in, well, some of it was in Utah. The rest was in, like, you know, Southern California. Maybe all the all the, uh, skiing stuff was in Utah. I'm guessing, yeah. Can't imagine. I'm not sure. Probably not too expensive to film in Utah. I anyway, I, I, I was just curious to see where things were actually filmed, you know. But I love the rapid um, story of him with the fuzzy bunnies and the rhinoceros, and that's really demented. That's probably the darkest it goes is when he opens fire on all the evil bunnies. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's definitely some, like, uh, bullying. You know, there's definitely some themes that are, are like, similar. Uh, lots of bullies, lots of, uh, you know... The beautiful and rich are better than you, and um, I don't know. A lot of the similar themes, but presented in a different way. You're right, this was all filmed in Nantucket or Cape Cod, so that could probably have been expensive. I just realized how weird the names are. I'm looking at this right now. Hoops, Ack Ack, Egg Stork, uh, George Calamari? This is weird. (laughs) They are. Some of the I I was deter I was sure that some of the names were had to be jokes, but uh, now I can't remember what I was thinking about. Um, I mean, they're all their names are weird. 
I mean, they're all references to things, but how many, does does everybody have a have a nickname like that? I don't think that happens in reality. That happens in movies and books so often, but I don't think that happens in reality. I gave you uh, like four hundred nicknames, but I remember in college, and I'm a, a little embarrassed by this. I was sick of being called Michael, and I started like working a nickname like George from Seinfeld, and. Uh, Remember when he tried to get that name T-Bone as a nickname and it wasn't working at all? And I was uh, desperate to get uh, nicknames because I was so sick of Michael. And I, at one point I got Doc because my initials are MD. And uh, can't go by MD because your name is Mindy and that would cause confusion. So then it switched to Doc for about six weeks and then it went back to Douchebag, which is my original nickname. Oh, uh, <laughs> that's too bad. For, like, when I was in, like, the fourth grade or something i really really tried to get people to call me mel i remember that because, and then i called you melly yeah, mel i mean like the rapper because people don't know my full name is melinda it just feels too formal uh-huh. mindy i don't know i got bored with it for a while but it just it stuck um i have but my point is is like there are nicknames that you called me, but not the world. Like every single person on the planet calls Hoops Hoops. Yeah, I like not just not just an endearing nickname from his brother, which he doesn't have. But you know, uh, it just that happens all the time in movies and books, and I just don't think that's real. Wait, do you know anybody? I knew one guy because I didn't know his real name, and he always wore a Michigan hat. You know, Michigan University, so we all called him Michigan. Yeah. I don't know if I know anybody else that ever went by it. No, I knew a guy named Boots. I don't know why we call him Boots. So what? Nobody in the world knew this guy's name, so everybody just called him Michigan? Really, literally, I, I could ask. I could, I, nobody knew his name. We just all called him Michigan. That's strange. Yep. Okay, I don't know. Uh, not to my knowledge. I can't tell you anything to my knowledge. I think it's more of a guy thing than girls. I'm not sure girls really do the nicknames. I mean, why is Savage Steve Holland go by Savage Steve Holland? That's Maybe true. I want to know the origin of that. Why not just Steve Holland? Is there another Steve Holland? I do, just... too. Let's, let's like, reach out and ask him. <laughs> he might actually get an answer. I don't think he's too busy. <laughs> oh, man. Come on, dude. Um, anyway, so I have to admit that the whole time I'm, like, Demi Moore, get rid of your braids. You look so trashy. She, I think she's the weakest point of this movie. She doesn't have the energy that everybody else has. No, she's just like, she's like, I mean, I know she has that husky voice and all that, but she just seems like tired. Yeah, but I also didn't realize that she could sing. And that is her voice. I was shocked by that. You know, that's, I will tell you that I meant to look that up and I had that song in my head for like three days afterwards and I was like, Damn it, that song's catchy. But wouldn't it have been more that, interesting? She really so, sang it. To me, I think it would have been more interesting is if you got the girl from Better Off Dead, the, the singer, the one from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. And I don't know why all of a sudden I just forgot her name like an idiot. I just said her name. Um, but uh, I think she would have fit in better because she's more of a misfit. I don't see Demi Moore as a misfit. I see her as a name no. that the studio probably pushed on Savage Steve Holland. Yeah, I don't know. She didn't... I don't think she quite fit. You're right. Oh, man, that little girl and that dog. Oh, that was, that when she crazy. gets revenge? Oh, yeah. I can't believe they just kicked the dog. What an asshole. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I, there's things in the movie that and I don't understand, like, okay, why... 
first of all, they never ex really explain why Hoops, like, choked or whatever. Like, what was his basketball-related issue? They say he got kicked off the team, but they still call him Hoops. And then he, like, chokes when he's supposed to play basketball with those people yeah. and all this stuff, and they never really explain any of those issues. It Was it an ironic also, nickname? Like, the way people go, okay, Einstein, Hoops. Oh, he's a good basketball okay, player, Hoops. That's, that's what I was trying to – I don't know. And then, And then at the end, when she gets her dog back from the vet, why do all the puppies have cones? Yeah, it's just that Like, like, it's just goofy. And why does Cassandra suddenly have three backup singers and a full band? Also, how are they able to win the contest legitimately when they stole, they literally stole and chopped off someone else's property and added it to their vehicle, which also seems like a cheat. <laughs> I don't know. You know what should have happened was answer. they should have been disqualified immediately for cheating. The Both of them. Both disqualified for cheating. Um, but maybe they got extra yeah. points for saving that guy's life. I don't know. Something like that they should have done differently. Oh, wow. Just not to um, completely go off course, but I'm going to go off course. Cool. Um so apparently she no longer goes by E.G. It's now Elizabeth. That's true. You know Daily. what? I forgot. I think we're actually, this is embarrassing, but I think we're Facebook friends. I just never talked to her, and I think that's right, Elizabeth Daly. What? So cool. When I was doing She's interviews, 30? I was a celebrity whore. I was a star fucker, and I was friending people like crazy if I recognized their name. Um, I still feel bad that one of the guys that I interviewed thought, thought he was somebody else for a while. <laughs> oh, shit. I thought he was oh the guy God, on 24, dick. the British guy from 24, and it wasn't. But Kyle was great, so I feel bad about it. You're a dick. I'm a big... And I have no idea who you're talking about because I've never seen It's okay. Before. I'm not a but, dick. Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bag of balls. That's it. I, I'm so, so bad that I'm not even a dick. She... She happens to be in the new Valley Girl remake and is still doing tons of voice work, which makes me super happy. She has 35 soundtrack credits and wow. 220 film credits. Impressive woman. I'm very impressed. Dita. I kind of I'm, have a little crush right now on her. She's amazing. Bobcat. Right. Also shared a nickname with someone else that dropped the nickname. But when Bobcat was a kid, his best friend was Tom Kinney, the voice of SpongeBob SquarePants. And he went by Bobcat really? and Tomcat. Bobcat and Tomcat. And they performed together for a long time. And then they went off in their different directions. That's so cute. Yep. <laughs> I love that. And, um... That is so uh, such a strange little thing to know. It, well, he got rid of the bobcat for a long time because he wanted to be taken seriously, but then he just kind of just gave it up or whatever. Aww. But now he is taken seriously because he's actually a really good filmmaker. Uh, he doesn't really appear in movies mm -hmm. anymore. He does voiceovers, but he has been directing really smart, uh, critically acclaimed independent movies. Really? Yeah, and he did one cool. about eight years ago, which is a satire of... Celebrity obsessed reality TV with uh, Joel uh, Joel Murray, Bill Murray's brother, who is in this as George, 
and it's called God Bless America, mm-hmm. and it is a biting satire. It is vicious, and he doesn't hold back for anything. Oh! I saw that movie. Pretty dark, huh? <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Um, he directed it or wrote it or what? Wrote and directed it. He did that right after uh, World's Greatest Dad with uh, uh, Robin Williams. He was kind of on a hot streak. Now yeah. he's been doing he's been doing documentaries. He had a TV show for a season called uh, Bobcat Bobcat Goldthwaite's, I think, Mysteries and Monsters or something like that. And um, that got a lot of acclaim, but there's too many TV shows now, so it's hard for a show to be successful anymore. I feel like every show's a one-season wonder now. It's so weird that I, for some reason, continuously forget that Joel Murray is Bill Murray's brother. I think it's kind of good, though, that he, uh, to me, he is separate from him. Yeah, it helps. But he's had plenty of, you know, he's had plenty of things, like... He was on seven years of Mad Men. He was on five years of Dharma and Greg. Uh, you know, he's it's still doing lots of stuff. I don't know why in my head I just don't really connect them. Yeah, there's four of them. I think there's a sister too. But, um, of course, Brian Doyle Murray has had his own career for a long time. And I, I, I know he's connected to his brother. Yeah. But I think of him as a, a separate entity because he's such a unique personality. And then there was another one. Well, I they all are. Well, no, there was that's one. All, that's the thing. Is there was one brother. I just feel like they're all very, very different from each other. There, was, there is one brother, and I can't remember his name right now, but he was in a movie, and he only started one movie. It was called Moving Violations from the writer of Police Academy, and they only hired him. I'm guaranteed they only hired him because he was cheaper than Bill, and he has the same personality, or he's forced mm. to be the same as his brother, and I think that broke him. I see. And he said he was only going to get cast That's based bad. on his brother, so he never acted. Well, he was in Scrooge, but that was it. Well, clearly he was in that because. Yeah. Didn't they do, like, this? Uh, the brothers all do something together for, uh, like, a bit? Like I think a golfing, golfing show thing? on Comedy Central. Yeah. Like, yeah. I guess that's sort of totally off the subject. But yeah. anyway, yeah, I totally, I didn't, I forgot that he was even in um, this movie, but he's really good. Yeah, I really like his And then there's, like, the, Go ahead. The weird, the weird quirks of, like, the crazy uncle and... Oh, the radio station, the his, obsession like, with the radio station. I've been like that, but not for an entire summer. <laughs> like, well, not, and ev- not just one entire summer, it's every summer. That's crazy. He okay. does that every summer. Um, and then, like, the weird, the weird scene with the grandma where she, like, cooks him that great meal and then she gives him a bill... Oh yeah! <laughs> it's all just there's all just there's just so many like little like just very weird like visual, you know, l- tiny moments yeah. that are just like so bizarre. And, and it's it's or, like what but, I think what he does a lot in this compare uh, and, and Better Off Dead is that whatever he had in Better Off Dead, he kind of flips it. So like the grandma's a great cook, but she has that thing where she's like, "Yeah, I'm a great cook because I worked in a restaurant for years, and now I'm going to charge you." Whereas the mother in Better Off Dead is truly horrific food it has raisins Uh in it or something like that and it crawls away and there's one with the octopus arms coming out and 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 how can bacon look this color oh my god i boiled it (laughs) um and also like the 
the scenes with George on the beach where they like bury him. Oh and god, that died. was a joke. That to me, when he got buried and the guy ate the beans above him and he passed, that was the funniest thing I had ever seen when I was eight years old. Yeah, pretty good stuff, really. The but, uh, uh, can we talk about Tom Villard? This is a guy that not many people know because he died very young. Is he the is he the other brother? Yes. I know him mostly from I like Popcorn. him. Yeah. Popcorn, yeah, I love that movie. He's it's so... one of the few scary ish movies I like. It's not really that scary, but it's one of the few that I actually like. It's I think it's because he's such a unique personality that he sticks out like a sore thumb and makes you remember him even though like i said he did not do very much he's in like four movies and he did a bunch of tv stuff mm-hmm. he's mostly a stand-up comedian a lot of these guys are brought from the co- the stand-up comedy world um i believe mark metcalf was um like a groundlings guy and a, can- a stand-up comedian and then he hit it big as needlemeyer in uh uh animal house and they age him oh, up severely in this as the dad his name is weird too aguila aquila beckerstead that's not a name aquila is not a name <laughs> I don't know. He's so he's so slimy. His hairdo so is slimy. weird, right? The sides are all long and the top is short. It's not a mullet. It's like a very professional and, greased over hairdo. Ugh. And it's super weird, like um the grandpa who's like only in white he's in one scene where he goes back past one time or maybe two scenes in his wheelchair and then back again why does he even waste his time he's like such a good actor yeah well this is before he really had okay so he was always like a stage actor what's his name uh uh, William Hickey William Hickey became famous at the very end of his career he's a guy who was like a stage actor and he got noticed in 1986 for Pritzi's Honor in fact I think if I remember correctly he got nominated for an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor in Pritzi's Honor so this started the the his career. So he did this, and I know he showed up in uh, Christmas Vacation. I think the last thing he did was Mouse Hunt. I think that was filming while he when he died. And he just a guy where the last where his seventies were his peak. So I guess it's not over for any of us really until the end. You know, he was, you got a shot, kids. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So it's That's not like so he could have demanded. He couldn't have demanded probably anything better. But it's probably right after Pritzi's honor, right before, and where people are starting to notice him. He's like, sure, I'll show up for a couple of days, and get paid for it. I've waited this long. I'll take it. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. He died in '97. At the age of 69. What? No. He was what? Only, he was only. Wait. He was only 69. What the fuck? I don't understand. He looked about 75 or 80 for his whole career. Oh, my God. I'm so God. confused. He's like the guy oh, from wow. UHF. The guy from UHF, you know, the one that goes, Hey, Mr. Really Neat Watch. If I find out exactly. that he was uh-huh. if, he, if he was 60 when he died, I'm going to be very upset because that man looked like an old leather purse. <laughs> oh, man. I don't even understand. How, I, I don't think that I can quite grasp this information. I will never be the same again. Oh, oh, this is this is okay. completely off topic, sort of. Do you know the guy, you know the guy in The Wedding Singer, the homeless guy who gets the Michael Jackson jacket towards the end? He's in the yeah. bar. I have never not 
seen him as an old homeless man, and I've been watching movies with him for like 30 years now. I watched the movie from the 70s. He's still the same character. It's the only thing he does is weirdo street characters, but he always looks 75. <laughs> that's so weird. Yeah, it's just Aww, strange. Well, Steve Martin that makes me kind of sad. Yeah, Steve Martin Sorry, always seems guys. old too. So, yeah, I thought William Hickey was way older. So that's odd. Um, the last thing I'll say is this is the anyway. start of the Jeremy Piven John Cusack relationship. Interesting. Well, on film. On film, that is yes. On film, they were best friends like since they were little kids, or at least like younger. Yeah, I don't think they're talking to each other anymore. But it's kind of interesting to see the evolution of Jeremy Piven. I can say this because I'm a bald man. Seeing him act like a high school student when he's losing his hair and then slowly through the years and all of a sudden he just shows up with a toupee and a bigger toupee and a better toupee and all of a sudden Entourage shows up and he has, he's not bald. That's a really good, that's a really good haircut. Yep, totally. Not a wig. You know. But do what you want. You got the money. I don't want to be bald. If I was rich, I would get a really good wig and go fuck (laughs) y'all. I mean, he's a good looking guy and he has good teeth. So you just do what you gotta do. Yeah, I mean, if you if it gets you work, that's the biggest thing. Where would he be right now if he hadn't got the wig? I don't think he ever would have been in PCU, for one. He wouldn't have been in the goods. Uh, he would be playing the schlub who works in the office. That's the problem. A lot of these guys, um, if they want to keep their career going, just like women, women have to get plastic surgery or whatever, and guys have to get uh, toupees. Uh, did you know that, that One Crazy Summer was his first movie? Really? Okay. Yeah, that's what it says. I didn't realize that. 1986. As far as I know, before that, like, his parents uh, own a pretty well-known theater company in Chicago Chicago area where he and Cusack grew up, and that's how they, like, got to know each other in the theater thing when they were younger and mm. then they were in a lot of movies together so yeah it says they were friends since they were kids but i, I mean who knows I I, I I i worry is it is it bad of me to say i worry about john cusack i know i was literally going to tell you the same thing like i was waiting and and here's the thing he had his biggest hit in 2010 with oddly enough 2012 that movie made like 175 eh. million dollars and that was his biggest hit. Nowhere nearly his best movie. I think he's one of the worst dads in cinema history because he's so dumb. But that was his biggest <laughs> hit. And then all of a sudden, everything went wrong. The Raven was expected to be a really cool movie, and it sucked. And that was like his passion project. He's like obsessed. Isn't he the, like obsessed with like Poe? I don't know. But I know that that was one of his productions, and in that, and War Incorporated um, was one of his, and it completely bombed. He did uh, Hot Tub Time Machine, and that was a hit. But then it's just all of a sudden he just started doing these like low budget movies that I don't think were intended to be direct to video, and he just kept getting sent to cable or direct to video, and just kept going down and down and down and down. And he had a chance to save his career over and over, and it just seems like. He fucks it up on purpose, and I know that he had a thing. He was getting insecure about his looks. So he got a chin tuck, because mm. they were starting to sag there. Uh, he got a chin tuck, and then he just started showing up in movies where he was always wearing shades and a hat. Like, he's done six or seven movies now where he keeps his head covered, and a lot of times he keeps his face covered. And I don't think he's losing his hair. I think it's because he's gotten so tired of making movies that he shows up only when it's absolutely necessary, and then he has his stunt double do the rest. 
I'm sad. Ever pretty much everything since 2012 is just uh, I I don't. I don't get it. Yeah, Except well, for well, Love he, and Mercy was so Yeah, good. Love and Mercy I really thought was going to be the one that saved his career because he was still, still doing Me some... Too. He did a few smarter movies. He did a David Cronenberg film and, and a couple others. He did a, a, a Spike Lee movie. And I really thought Love and Mercy, which like, he's fantastic in, was going to save him, and he just goes back to doing the same thing. It's, I see so many actors do this. Nicolas Cage could save his career right now if he was just choosier. Or Van Damme, after JCBD, could have been choosier, but he didn't. And I don't understand why people blow their opportunities. I don't either, like, not that he'll ever hear this, because why would he? Like, he was my favorite actor for, like, a million, trillion, billion years. And then he just started doing weird and, and kind of creepy things, and it just, like, you're a good actor, dude. You can pull it, you can pull it together. Yeah, he seems like know. he's also just very angry. Whenever I read about him on Twitter, I'm like, oh, you probably shouldn't have said that. Uh. Anyway. Yeah, maybe he's just turned into a grumpy old man, or maybe he always has. Because I remember reading an interview with, um, oh, Danny, uh, Danny Trejo, and they're talking about the making of Con Air and who was like the most intimidating. And he goes, "You know who surprised me? Who was the scariest person on that whole set was John Cusack, because he gets a look in his eye that scares the shit out of me." And I'm like, "That's not on what, what? On what? On Con Air." He said the only person to intimidate me and give me a little fear in my heart was John Cusack, and I did not expect that at all. <laughs> Interesting. I don't know. Maybe maybe he's always been an angry person. If, you know, in 1985 or whatever, he could get angry at how That's bad true. he thought one of his best movies was, then maybe he just doesn't get it. Maybe he's just too critical. Maybe yeah. he's just unhappy. Well, I think it's amazing because he's uh, apparently a very accomplished martial artist, but you rarely ever see that. And I wonder why. Oh, that's a shame. What? No, I don't want to. I don't want to spend a bunch of time like just dissing on him because no. you know I, I I love many of his movies even if yeah. they didn't like. It's make just a ton there's of such money, a but, magical period uh, for him, and I just I kind of yeah. miss it. Yeah, me too. All right. Anything else you want to say about these movies before we go? Um, I guess just that uh, these are perfect movies for this time in our life because everybody needs some levity, and this is the perfect way to spend an afternoon watching these movies and like laughing and just you know it's it's definitely a little ridiculous, um, but we that's definitely something we can always use levity. But right now it's extra nice. Yeah, so. and, it, and it's it's a teen yeah. movie from the '80s that is not stupid, and is not sexual. You can watch it with your family without feeling like you've dumbed yourself down or like, ooh, I need to get yeah. close your eyes, close your eyes, kids. Let me fast forward this whole guy. Yeah, especially because we this is a movie that we watch with our family like every year growing up, uh -huh. and even in, in and now still as adults. Yep, it's uh, regular for a reason, and um, that is it for this episode. We decided already on our next episode is going to be Cry Baby and Hairspray, the original, which I've never seen the original. I'm going to watch the remake as well. Wow. I'm going to watch the remake because I want to see the two uh, compare, you know, bounce them off each other, um, see what the differences are. He's still are. my heart. Uh, I know. I adore reason, the remake. I know. You, well, you told me to watch the original one a long time ago, and I just never got around to it, which is weird because I like John Waters, and yet I've never got around to no, watching I, it. 
There, I mean, there are similarities, but there's also like very, very big differences, which of course we'll talk about next time. But um, hopefully, you can appreciate them, you know, in their own separate entities mm -hmm. um, while you're comparing them. So okay, we'll see what you so, think. So that'll be our next episode, and uh, thank you, everybody. Check us out on Hit Rewind Podcast, and that's where we find all of our podcasts. And oh my God, of course, I get to the very end of the episode, I'm holding off a burp. Uh, Mindy, thank you again for this. As I hold back my <laughs> classy, you're always so classy. So classy. That's what I really admire about you. It's it's an A-lister, yeah. top of the line, uh, Academy Award-winning <laughs> episode, uh, only revered by the finest of podcast listeners. Thank you very much for another episode of Masterpiece Podcast Theater. I don't know. I had no joke there. Uh, should I go? Should That's I shut okay. my pie hole? I should shut my pie hole now. Yep. Shut up. All right. Time yep. to go. Bye.